showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Wade, for filling in last Sunday in our absence. We're going to pick up right where we left off. The chronological study, Solomon has built the temple, he's written his Proverbs, now he's quoting others. I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to ask why is he quoting others? Why is that so important? I'm not going to ask you if you came up with the answer, but today we're going to see what I think is the answer. I think it's significantly huge that he's quoting others here, and today I believe we're going to find out why. Picking up the last verse of Proverbs 24, verse 30. Not the last verse, the last section. I think it's the last four verses, if I'm not mistaken. Proverbs 24, verse number 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Stop right there. We got, Michelle and I got back from Tennessee late Friday night, and the one thing that I noticed on that whole trip is you could tell who took care of their stuff and who didn't take care of their stuff. And it had nothing to do with how much stuff they had. You could just tell, even in the poor towns, the people that took care of their stuff. And that's exactly what this, this person, this is not Solomon saying this, this is some other writing that Solomon, Solomon is quoting. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. Lo, it was all grown over with thorns. It's not easy to spot. I mean, it's, 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 it's not hard to spot someone that is not diligent in their life. And there's a thousand different ways that we need to be diligent in our life, but it's really easy to spot someone who's been lazy in certain areas. Lo, it was all grown over with thorns, nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone thereof was broken down. By the way, folks, children who aren't disciplined will grow weeds. While we were gone, I heard someone that had gotten upset over their grandchild praying. Just praying. Why would a grandparent get upset over his grandchild praying? Amen. He wanted the child to do his own research and become what he thought was right. The problem is is it's not in the nature of man to seek God. It's in the nature of man to find something to depend on, but God to submit to? No, man is not interested in submitting to anybody. He wants to find someone who's going to help him get whatever it is he's going to help him get. And in our society today, people are not going to go to God. They're just not. Even Christians rarely go to church. In general, Christians, people that claim to be Christians, rarely go children who aren't disciplined will grow weeds just like a garden will grow weeds you don't have to do anything just sit back and let it happen the idea that I will let him decide his religion on his own will almost certainly send him to hell True. here's the problem 
God loves everybody. God forgives everybody. And because God loves everybody so much, when it comes down to it, and it's time to cast them into hell, God certainly wouldn't do that. I mean, certainly God wouldn't do that. Yes, He will. If I don't discipline myself, I will grow weeds. If I don't discipline myself, I will grow weeds. Yesterday, my face had grown some weeds and I didn't have to do anything. Just sit back and not shave. That's all I had to do. The natural inclination of nature itself is in decline. All of it. This idea of evolution where everything's getting better, better, better. That is not scientific at all. We don't see that anywhere. Everything is a state of decline. And Proverbs 24 reminds us that so are we. Even if we're saved, we are in a state of spiritual decline if we don't discipline ourselves. If we don't say, I'm going to do this, we'll eventually not do it at all. This right here is a picture that I took. That's a mansion surrounded by weeds. You know what they had to do to get it that way? Nothing. Nothing. Any place that looks nice has had someone who has taken care of it. As individuals, we are exactly the same way. This past week, I was very well aware that if I wasn't careful, I could put on 10 pounds. I decided before we left, I'm not going to put on 10 pounds. I'm just not going to do it. There were so many opportunities I had. um, um, I did fail one time. (laughs) In Dollywood, they have this um, cinnamon cake cinnamon bread cinnamon bread and they sell it loaf size and um, we didn't realize how big that it was and so we got in line long line for this place and um, um, Michelle ordered two one for each of us and the bag that they gave her was large and we opened it up, and there's two loaf-sized cinnamon breads. It's like, all right, I really like cinnamon bread. I've been good for a long time. Why not? Michelle had, out of those two cinnamon breads, maybe this much, like a piece of a cake. The rest of it was gone before the next morning. Where did it go? Right here. Right here. Now, if I ate that way all the time, I would be as big as a house. Just not disciplining ourselves. Man, it was good. I can still taste that cinnamon bread. If you go to Dollywood, get the cinnamon It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Folks, this is very, very 
important. This is one of the most important verses in all of the Bible that doesn't mention Jesus, but by implication it does mention Jesus. The Holy Spirit is constantly teaching us. Everything that we encounter in our life, the Holy Spirit is using to teach us one thing or another. Daily, we must be in the Bible. It's one thing that we teach around here. You've got to be in the Bible every single day. But then, as the day progresses, look for ways the Holy Spirit gives opportunity for the Scripture to be applied. Like the writer in Proverbs 24, he's just walking along and sees in the field. And it reminded him of something that he had learned. Look for things that God is using to apply His Word to. This is going to sound incredibly trivial. I'm going to compare us to to a dog. If being compared to a dog is offensive, don't forget Jesus compared us to sheep and that's way worse than a dog. So, don't be offended because I'm comparing us to an animal. But my dog, before we went on vacation, I dropped him off at my daughter's house. And before he knew it, I was gone. At my daughter's house, they have two other dogs. They are very well versed in taking care of an animal. With one... (coughs) significant exception and you're going to think this is so silly but it it hit me like a ton of bricks my dog sleeps with me my dog is always touching me when he's asleep and they had him sleep in his cage it occurred to me that he had no idea that was coming everything was just normal then all of a sudden his life changed for the worse he was taken care of but he was no longer comfortable. My daughter told me that he didn't eat for three days. I asked her to send me some pictures of him. He looked depressed. My son-in-law said he was depressed. He moped around. And my dog, don't, my dog's like full of energy. It's a Jack Russell Terrier. He's crazy. We were gone for six days. And on the ride home, it occurred to me, he has no idea what's going to happen. When we hit Claremont, 10 minutes from my daughter's house, I thought to myself, Shamu has no idea what's about to happen. I opened the door and I spoke and he just exploded. Come jump up in my arms. He was so happy, glad. Why was it so good for him? Because he had to wait. Why was it even better? Because he had no idea if it was even going to happen at all. Matthew 24, 42. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. We are convinced. I think Shamu was convinced. I was gone for seven days. If he was going to come back, he would have came back by now. Why didn't 
Shamu just blend in with the crowd? How would I feel if he did blend in with the crowd? What if my daughter had said, he likes it here so much, he's going to be so sad when you come and get him. How would that make me feel? The fact that I was what he wanted, and when I showed up, he was ready. That was exciting. And I thought to myself, how does Jesus feel? Jesus went to the cross to pay for my sins in the same way I went to the pound and paid for him to get him out of his jail or whatever. I provided for him the way Jesus provides for me. I taught him the way Jesus teaches me. And then I left him the way Jesus had to leave. He was totally provided for in the same way Jesus provides for me. And I showed up just like Jesus is going to show up for me. It was so cool watching just a regular illustration. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. I want to encourage you, don't just read your Bible, but look for ways during the day that the Holy Spirit's going to use to teach us about what we read. <laughs> Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So shall I poverty come as one that traveleth. We spent a lot of money on the road. One that travels is not making money, he's spending it. And it occurred to me, once I retire, if I choose to do so, all I'm going to be doing is spending money, not earning money. And I thought, retirement is not a wise thing to do. If you can still make money, you need to keep making money. So shall I poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want is an armed Man, again, this writer, whoever it is, agrees with Solomon, Proverbs 12, 24, 12, 27, 15, 19, 18, 9, 19, 15, 19, 24, 21, 25, and 22, 13. Solomon goes over and over and over and over how that being slothful in any area is hurtful to yourself. This is the ninth time the book addresses it. Don't answer. Don't answer. What is the cure? Don't answer. What is the cure? There is a cure. And I submit to you that it works in all areas of our life. All of them. Hunger. Hunger is the cure for slothfulness in any area. Proverbs 16, 26, 19, 15, 20, verse 4, 21, 25, 2 Thessalonians 3, which Ray read a few minutes ago, all of them address this issue. Hunger. Did you notice something that was also in 2 Thessalonians, though? Not only were they to be hungry, they were also to be shunned. Did you can't pick up on that? 
Ray, look for it again. Look, look, I, I didn't notice until this morning when Ray read it. Second Thessalonians 3 verse, it, it's in there somewhere. It's after verse 10 as I recall, but they were to be shunned as well. Why? To make them hungry for something social. Shunning is something that it just sounds terrible, but it is scriptural. The Amish are very, very, very stringent on shunning. Either you do what you're supposed to do, or we will have no contact with you whatsoever. Why? It's to make the person hungry. Whether it's food, whether... You got it? Is it maybe uh, verse 14 where it says, And if any... <clears throat> excuse me. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle... Note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Have no company with him. How are we to treat ourselves when we are physically, spiritually, emotionally, when we're neglectful to ourselves. I believe fasting is the answer to that. I believe that's the purpose of fasting, to bring hunger on ourselves. This takes a lot of discipline. But I've often wondered, why did Jesus teach fasting? And I believe this is it. Bring hunger on ourselves. Not just physical hunger, but hungry in all areas so that we can see what's going to happen if we continue neglecting whatever area it is. Now, once we've disciplined ourselves, there is still that area of other slothful people, which in this case, Proverbs 24, is whoever owned that field. In 2 Thessalonians' situation was whoever was a member of that church. How do we treat others who are slothful, negligent in whatever area it is. We must let them get hungry, including shunning them. How do I shun somebody at church? Because that guy was not told he had to leave church. That guy was not told that he was no longer allowed to come. In fact, according to Paul, nobody was to say anything to him. Yes, sir. He says to admonish him. Admonish him. Teach him the truth. Okay? But in our society today, we would feed him. I mean, we'd feed him. Straight up, we'd feed him. He said, have no company with him. If there's someone who's neglectful, let's say he's neglectful in his family. Let's say he's not treating his children right. At that point, when we have opportunity, we remind him of what Scripture says, not what we think Scripture should say, but what Scripture says. And then we just step back and leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Then something hit me. 
We talked about Jezebel in the book of Revelation and how that she got that way over a period of time. And it occurred to me how Jezebel got that power was not that she took it, but that the men listened to her. The ladies listened to her. And I thought, that's the answer. That's the answer. That's the purpose of shunning. That's the purpose of withdrawing. It's not to be mean. It's to let them know that the actions that they're taking is not going to be beneficial in the long run, so they will want to change the actions that they're doing. And I thought, this, man, this would be awesome in dieting. Think about this. What if, and I, I love freedom, I love freedom, I think it's very important, but what if it was illegal to walk into McDonald's if you were over a certain weight level? You walk up to the door and it outweighs you and the door won't open if you're over a certain size. How would that help people? I think it would help them a lot. And you would just remind them, this is not something that's good for you. And I thought, this could work in any area. Parenting. Parent, this is a good one, parenting. So many times, we try to teach our kids, and they just don't do it because they know we'll bail them out. We can say we're not going to bail them out, but if we do, we're just lied to them. What if, if our kids are doing wrong, we keep our conversation strictly to Scripture? Different things about Scripture, but keep it to Scripture. Let them know that if they talk to me or you, they're going to hear Scripture. I'm not going to hear about your problems because they're problems you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have those problems, so don't tell me. And then we refused to keep them from being hungry. We let them get hungry. What would happen in a child's life once they believe that's the case? They change. Because they would realize mom and dad is not going to bail me out. I thought this will work at work. Some of us have abusive co-workers, even abusive uh, supervisors. How in the world can we control somebody like that? You talk to them in Scripture. You act on Scripture. Scripture says, when we work, we're to work as unto the Lord. We do our job the way we're supposed to do it. You don't hold back on your job responsibilities. But, without grumbling, suddenly the only communication that our supervisor who's abusive gets is some sort of scriptural reference. But, there's no other discussion goes on at all. 
they realize something's not right, but at the same time, this person doesn't have a bad attitude. Just something is different. Could God use that? Absolutely. What is the cure for slothfulness in any area? It's hunger. It takes some wisdom to figure out how to use it, how to implement it. But the bottom line is we don't help people do wrong. We just don't help them do wrong. If someone is doing wrong, we back off and say, I'm having no part of that. Scripture says this, I'm having no part of that. I love you. Because I love you, I'm having no part of that. This is powerful. This is so very powerful. Chapter 25. Chapter 25 is a very, very interesting chapter. Verse number 1. Proverbs 25. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah and Judah copied out. That verse tells us a lot about the book of Proverbs. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. Chapter 24 ends the book of Proverbs as Solomon intended it. Solomon thought he was done when he finished chapter 24. Over 200 years later, King Hezekiah will add the remainder of the book. So, 25 through 31, Solomon didn't have, nor did he want. So as we look at 25 through 31, we've got to remember this is not something Solomon wanted in the book, but they are his his proverbs. Why didn't he include them? These are questions we need to ask as we study the rest of the book. We're going to study them now because Solomon did in fact author them, and this is a chronological study. But I could say this part doesn't get added for another 200 years, and we'll study it at that point, chronologically. Again, I think it's wise to do it here because Solomon did author them, but we need to ask the question, why did he not intend them to be in the book? Chapters 30 and 31 is going to be a whole other issue which we'll deal with when we get to it. I wonder why Solomon didn't include them. They're his, his proverbs. He decided not to include them. I wonder why he didn't include them. This is stuff you're going to hear a lot. I wonder why Solomon didn't include this. I wonder why up to this point he's been quoting other people in the last two and a half chapters. He started in chapter 22, verse 17, quoting other people. So literally at 22.16, he stopped giving wisdom. Starting at 22.17, he's been providing wisdom, but he's not giving wisdom. And there's a difference between the two. I believe it is possible. And I have used that word very, very, very intentionally. I believe it's possible that Solomon is beginning to emotionally stray. His transformation between Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is too abrupt to happen overnight, and I believe it's beginning to happen. Is he doing anything wrong? No. He's just not doing what he used to do. It's called losing your first love. The, um, uh, the seven churches in, in uh, uh, 
Revelation, at least two, maybe three of them did this. They lost their first love. They weren't really doing anything specifically that was bad in this area. They just weren't in love with God. They weren't in love with Scripture. And I believe Solomon is at that point. I believe he's been at that point since chapter... What was that? I can't remember what I said. Chapter 22, 17, 16. I think 16 was his last one where he really was into it, as the kids would say these days. Verse 2. Again, this is a proverb that Solomon did in fact write, but he did not intend it to be a book. As far as Solomon is concerned, you should not have this. But he did write it. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. It's the honor of kings to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. I believe this verse right here is very, very telling. As we enter his life phase of Ecclesiastes, I believe now God is holding back on the revelation because Solomon's really not into it. I believe very strongly that he begins his search. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a very clear search of everything, not just God. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Solomon's saying, this isn't easy anymore. I'm definitely different than I used to be. Christians need to ask this question on a regular basis. It's all through Scripture. Am I spiritually what I used to be? David, uh, he, hit, he got hit in the face with this, with Bathsheba. It's the honor of kings to search out a matter, and I believe that's exactly what he tried to do, and we'll see that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Moses said the exact same thing. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Almost exactly the same statement. With the help of the Holy Spirit, every word of Scripture is understandable. I think it's offensive to God when we say, like the founder of the Methodist Church. I don't know what it means, but it can't mean that. Over the years, I've heard people say, well, the, the Bible, you can take it several different ways. You know what I try to do when I hear that? You can take, show me one. Just show me any. How you can take it several different ways. And they will always say, well, I don't know, but it's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. You know what that tells me when somebody says it's there somewhere? Uh, they've got weeds in their garden. But there's hope for them because the weeds can be pulled out in love. And so you begin to do your best to gently, lovingly show them how that what they said is not as accurate as they think. Exhorting. But then backing off when it comes time for them to do whatever it is that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. Every word, I believe, is understandable. 
with the help of the Holy Spirit, and that's the key. Without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to understand any of it, not even John 3.16. We're just not. But with the Holy Spirit is, is understandable. That tells me that if I take time to study, God will help me. Right. Even in the names. Even in the cities. Lists, lists, lists. Some of that stuff when we went through it, to me was just fascinating how it fit together. But my whole life I just said, I don't know why it's there. I'm sure it's there for a reason God gave it to us. But it really don't matter. I used to love, you're going to like this, I used to love in my daily Bible reading to get in those sections. Why? Because you can't pronounce them anyway, therefore you can just skip it. There were days when I skipped the whole thing because it was all names that it didn't really matter anyway. Easy day in my Bible reading. Then you get into Proverbs, and it's like, this is a hard day, and now I've got to make up for all those names. I submit to you, both of them are equally needed, important, deserving of study. If I get to a passage I don't understand, I need to stop and study it. I'm going to give you something. Wade, you're going to love this. Don't respond to it. <laughs> Don't respond to it. I made the statement, I've been making the statement for a long time now, that we are not bound to obey the Old Testament. Most preachers say you've got to obey this verse, but not that verse. This verse, but not... And none can agree what you're supposed to obey. And I made the statement that Scripture teaches the book of Hebrews, you've got an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, and clearly in our Bible there's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. Therefore, we don't have to obey the Old Testament. Well, then why study it? I actually had someone in this room ask me, why study it then? Because it's for our learning. It's examples of what is taught in the New Testament. And so we do need to study it, and we will study it, just like we're doing it right now. What are we supposed to obey? I've made this statement so many times. We're supposed to obey the New Testament, every word of it. Every word of it. Some of it's not easy. And there's one verse that I found that I had to ask myself, why don't you do that? In the New Testament, there's one verse it's not up here, I didn't think about it, but there's one verse. Jesus, don't answer. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Then he said, even as I have done, so do you. Even as I have done, so do you. And I thought, there's a reason why some churches do foot washing. I've always said that's not for us. But how can I say it's not for us if all the rest of the New Testament is for us? So, I decided to study it. How in the world am I supposed to obey the foot washing command? If it's not a church ordinance, by the way, uh, the primitive Baptists believe in three church ordinances. Baptism, Lord's Supper, and foot washing. 
That's one of the differences between us and the Primitive Baptist Church. How do I personally obey foot washing? I'm going to use you as an example because I know you're holding back. Am I supposed to go up to Wade and say, Wade, could you please remove your shoes so that I can wash your feet? And my socks. And socks. <laughs> Am I supposed to do that? Is that what Jesus did? Is that what he did? More importantly, did Jesus do it as a show? Did he do it as a show? In the churches where this is an ordinance, they do it just like baptism, just like the Lord's Supper up here. Is that what Jesus did? That's not what Jesus did. So how can I wash Wade's feet? I've got to pay attention to Wade. I've got to stay close to Wade. And I've got to do for him something that he's not expecting me to do. Up to and including washing his feet if he needs it. I don't think it's designed to be a show. Any more than healing is designed to be a show. Any more than tongues is designed to be a show. But I need to have the attitude that Jesus had. I will do whatever somebody in my church needs me to do, including washing their feet if it comes to it. Then I ask myself, would I do it? Wade, you ready? See, he don't want any more than I do. But if he needed it, I would do it. I had to come to grips with the fact I would do it. How do I know? Because if he needed anything, I would do it. I wouldn't help him do wrong, but I have helped him in the past in many, many different ways. This past Sunday, he helped me by taking 10 o'clock service. That was him washing my feet. He could have said, you know what? You're going on vacation. We don't get to go on vacation, so you know what? You're just going to have to figure it out. Would that be washing my feet? No. That'd be letting them stay dirty. He didn't do that. He said, I'll do it. He helped me when I had need. So, is the New Testament for us? Yes, every word of it is for us. But it should not be a show. And how did I come to that? I came to that through study. I came to it through study. But, my whole life, <coughs> I looked at foot washing as a bad thing. And I wished Jesus hadn't done it. I don't get to do that with Scripture. Any of it. I don't get to do that. Scripture is my rule. I've got to search it. It's the honor of kings to search it. With the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave it to us. Why did God give us the Bible? It's so that we could get into it and learn from it and do it that we may do all the words of this law if I'm going to say I'm going to do it all except foot washing I'm disobeying what if I came back and Shamu had destroyed my daughter's house 
to punish me. Suddenly I've got to pay a bill because he didn't act right while I was gone. Now I've got a mess to clean up. I've got another problem to deal with and a dog that I've got to take home and figure out how to fix. How must Jesus feel when he looks at us? How must he feel? It's easy to find out getting God's Word. Father, thank you so much for what you taught me on this trip. Please help me to do it. Please help me to be loving, but at the same time, not accommodating. Please keep me in your Word and focused around your Word, but at the same time, not becoming something else when it's not convenient. Help me to learn, not just memorize, not just read, but to learn from your word. Thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.